wanted the best. You've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There it is, folks. It's not official. It's the opera lady says it's official. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to another episode. We certainly appreciate you guys. I hope you're passing around the Chris Voss Show because the Chris Voss Show gives you that wonderful glow. The family that loves you but doesn't judge you. We're not a cult. We're not an MLM, but you do have to have five relatives in your downline. Please refer to the shirty family, friends, and relatives. Go to Goodreads.com for it says Chris Voss. YouTube.com for it says Chris Voss. LinkedIn.com for it says Chris Voss. And Chris Voss won on the tickety talkity over there where the kids are. 15 years we've been bringing you the smartest and most brilliant minds. None of them are me, of course. That's why we have guests on the show. We can say you have smart people around here. Billionaires, CEOs, the White House advisors, the astronauts. You've seen them on the Chris Voss show. And, uh, always the the latest and hottest uh, authors just pumping out the greatest books they're going to improve your life and your mind because remember stories are the owner's manager's life as chris voss used to like to say as if i can quote myself in the third person and people won't think i'm completely insane but uh, you if you've been here for 15 years you know that i am uh we have a gentleman on the show uh, who is a multi-book author he's gonna be talking to us about his latest book and some of the insights that went in behind it gerald shanowiff is on the show with us today his latest book is called called The Mass Killer, Six Case Histories That Tell Us Why. So this should be very interesting. Just came out July 28th, 2023. Uh, he is a New York State licensed psychoanalyst. Maybe you can tell me what's wrong with me. Well, we don't have that much time. We only have like half an hour, not 10 years. Um, he's a former adjunct professor at the Borough of uh, Manhattan Community College, an author of 30 books, count them, an award-winning screenwriter and filmmaker. He was born in Fredericksburg, Texas, a small town where everyone spoke German. Do they still do that? And he came to New York at the age of 19. He's worked in New York ever since. His books include 14 works on psychology, psychoanalysis, as well as other nonfiction works, also nine novels, and a book of poems and drawings. His book, Jennifer and Herselves, was a top paperback seller in its first edition by Dell. I think one of my personalities is named uh, Jennifer. Uh, let's see. His screenplays won first prize in film festivals in the USA and the UK. He's been in finals and several other festivals. He produced and directed two of screenplays, Therapy and Brooklyn Nights. He published all of his novels himself, and he joins us here with his latest book, the Masculer, Six Case Histories That Tell Us Why. Welcome to the show, Gerald. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Thank you for coming on the show as well, Gerald. Uh, so give us .coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebages, sir? Well, I have a website called drshanawolf.com, mm -hmm. and I, I have a, a site that uh, has all of my books on it called uh, uh, The Living Center Press. Dot hmm. US. Okay. And uh, so people can go there and check oh, out your book. By the way, there's also a site called uh, themasskiller.com. 
Ah, that's a good one to have. Uh, that's a great title too for you know dot com. It's hard to find dot uh, com titles like that. So uh, you've written thirty books. What motivated you want to write this book? Well, <clears throat> I was just uh, disturbed, <clears throat> like I guess most of us are. I'm deeply disturbed, actually, about, but not uh, about your book, but yeah. Yeah, I was disturbed about how many mass killings there are, mm -hmm. and, and how they keep uh, mushrooming. Uh, you know, in in uh, you know, like the seventies, uh, we had maybe one or two mass killings a year. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, this year, we're we're having them almost every other week. Uh, we we have twice as many mass killings as any other country. Mm -hmm. All those things caused me, and I, I didn't like the explanation that other people were giving for why we have these mass killings. So I, I decided to do a study myself mm -hmm. and uh, see what I, where that led me, which is mm -hmm. it led me to a, a different place than most people. And you're, of course, using your background in psychology, psychoanalysis, and um, digging through those. Why did you pick these exact six case histories uh, that you cite in the book? Uh, I picked them because I, I, I thought they were representative of mm -hmm. mass killers. Uh, and, um, you know, they all had things in common. Mass killers are generally young men, generally young white males, mm -hmm. although there are exceptions. Um, and uh, they, they generally uh, feel, suffer from depression and, uh, you know, uh, hopelessness, they, they have a lot of rage. All of them have a great deal of rage inside of them. And in my book, I came out with a new theory about rage, where, wherein I categorize three categories of rage. Rage one, which is someone who has rage but is still functional. Mm -hmm. Rage two, which is somebody who is scarcely functioning and the rage is leaking out in different places in their lives. Mm. And then stage three, the rage has built up so much that the person cannot contain it anymore, and it, it explodes out in a mass killing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, so those are the functions you, you identify these with. Are these six case histories the six worst uh, killings in America? or Yes, they... they <clears throat> Uh, one of the killers, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the man who killed uh, 61 people in, in Las Vegas at a, a festival. Mm -hmm. uh, I think 61 is the most, is highest rate of mass killings. Sadly, he, yes. He's in the book. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And he was kind of, wasn't he different than a lot of mass killers you see nowadays? Most seem to be very young, kind of incel teenagers or young men uh he was i thought it was kind of interesting that he was kind of older i mean he's, he's kind of our age yes he he was older he was he was different from that point of view uh mm -hmm. but he shared uh most of the other traits uh mm -hmm. for example he was uh an externalizer oh. i'm sorry an internalizer an internalizer is is, is someone who holds on to their anger and and so the anger just builds up inside of them. They 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 never learned the skill of handling their anger 
as it as it arises a healthy person you know takes care of their anger as it comes up and it goes away hmm. these people are not able to do that so it just festers inside of them and, and builds he he was he was similar to many others that i've written about in in the book there you go now do you break down whole profiles psychological profiles on these on these uh, six uh people do you do you psychoanalyze them in the book and and say you know here's it, 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 are you able to identify there's a point where they stepped off the map and took that started going down that dark road that many people don't take yes uh each each of the six case histories starts out with a the the narrative of the killing itself uh so i i i I found all the details i could about each of the killings and i dramatized it because i'm also uh, a novelist so i dramatized it then i went to a uh to their childhoods i tried to to find as much information as i could about their childhood so that the next section is what happened how they were born uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, for example, uh, one of them was this Korean guy at, uh, Virginia tech, uh, who, who killed about 23 or four students. Um, his, his childhood was, um, all of these people had traumas in their early childhood. Yeah. And for him, what happened was his, his mother, he was born in Korea and his mother was matched his, his, his the, his mother was forced by her her father to marry this man she didn't like. She was an educated woman, and 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 he was a blue collar worker who had nothing in common with her. Um, and so then she she had to marry him, and uh, and then she right away was forced into having children. Uh, first was a girl, and then the second one was uh, <clears throat> the uh, the man Chow who uh i wrote about mm-hmm. and he uh when she had him she had postpartum depression uh postpartum depression is a very very traumatic thing for a child because when a woman has postpartum depression it mm-hmm. means she doesn't pick up the baby she she lies in bed all day depressed oh, wow. She doesn't pick up the baby when he cries. If she does pick him up now and then, it's with an angry face. Mm. And, and a baby feels those vibes. It feels the angry face. It feels the, 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 the anger in the body posture and in the way the mother hugs the baby. The mm. mother doesn't hug the baby with tenderness wow. when, they're, when they're going through this depression. So when this happens, a, a mother can go into this uh, this kind of depression for months or maybe even a year. Mm-hmm. And research has shown that such babies end up with a lot of developmental arrests. Hmm. There's one theory that, that says that, that uh, autism is caused by this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and this boy did develop a kind of autism uh, and um, he would not, he could not really relate to anybody. Couldn't, <clears throat> related all so that's that led to his growing up <clears throat> very very disturbed and unable <clears throat> to negotiate any kind of relationships hmm. he was an isolated person hmm. 
And which which one was this one? Uh, this this one was uh, like in the, I think around uh, the late eighties or, or early nineties. Mm -hmm. Maybe later. I'm I'm I wrote the book about a year ago, so I'm okay. So the name. Uh, so your your thesis in the book is that is that guns don't kill people. It's people who uh, have an urge to kill. And the urge to kill is brought on by either an emotional disturbance or cultural disturbance or both. Uh, and, and you believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's kind of a question to set up for you, um, that guns aren't the problem because we've had guns since 1781, uh, according to the thing here in the Second Amendment. Um, it's this urge to kill, and this is disturbance that, that seems to be prevalence. What are what are the what, what what's causing this? What are the mass what are the mass killers products of? According to your book, well, uh, I want to just uh, address about guns first. Um, okay. You know, um, yeah, you, you, you're right. Uh, guns have always been available, but. But uh, mass killings have been a recent phenomenon that, mm -hmm. that started out in the, the 70s. And it was the last, last few decades. And, um, you know, <clears throat> people think, well, if, if we banned all guns, then that would stop the mass killings. I don't think so. I think mass killers are madmen, and they would get guns from the underground. They, that, they'd get them wherever they could get them. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, they're, they're just disturbed people, and it's it's not guns that, that do the mass killings. It's the disturbed people. That's true. There's a lot of people that have guns uh, that, that don't go on mass killings. Now, and I, and I was reading earlier from you, the, the bio on the book, the description of the book, so I want to make that clear. Uh, the uh, Now, it, also in the description of the book, you state that mass killers are the products of dysfunctional families and dysfunctional cultures. The traumas of childhood and frustration living in dysfunctional culture is what's leading to the eruptions of mass killings. So do, do I understand that correctly? That's the premise of your book. And, 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 and what are these dysfunctional families? What, I mean, it seems like every family these days is dysfunctional. Is there something special about the makeup of, certain families or and, and what 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 part of our culture is the dysfunctional i i'm, I'm asking you i i probably have some guesses but what according to your research what is uh this functional portions that are contributing to this well i i think uh dysfunctional families are in all walks of life yeah um, i i think that as we became a uh a happy successful culture mm -hmm. and this happens to all cultures i think throughout throughout history when cultures start to be, become successful and have more leisure uh then they start to decompose uh the the, the things that held them together in the beginning start to fall apart and so so adults are more interested in in doing other things than parenting Parenting is a lot of work. It's a complicated <laughs> thing. It is a lot of work, yes. Right? Yeah. You, yeah. You have, you, are you a, a parent? No, I'm not. That's why I'm not a parent, actually. I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of work, and it, it's probably one of the most complicated jobs 
that anybody can do. I agree. Uh, you you know you have to be healthy yourself to be to be a good parent. And most people aren't. They don't prepare for it, and they just drag whatever sort of traumas they have from their childhood. Right, right. So I I think parenting has and families have deteriorated. You know, mm. one more than one third of families are one parent families nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that doesn't work. That brings that brings me to an interesting theory um, that people have about this sort of thing. Um, we've seen. Uh, we've seen, and I don't know if you've studied this, but you know, we've had people like, uh, Warren Farrell on the show with his book, the boy crisis, why boys are struggling. And we're still seeing it now where boys, uh, you know, the rise of this insult generation, we're seeing boys not going to college anymore, not interested in becoming providers and protectors. Uh, we're seeing an increase in, uh, single women that can't get into relationships. Um, uh, you know, it's it's projected by Morgan Stanley that um, childbearing women between the ages of what is it, twenty five to forty four, won't be in relationships or have kids uh, by twenty thirty, and the, the prospects don't look good for them if they want to try and have a family after that. Um, the since the sixties, we've seen the increase of divorce rates in single parent homes, particularly single mother homes, uh, since that time. And if you study the the rates of uh, people who are in prisons, people uh, who have all sorts of social problems, they come from single parent homes. Uh, and a lot of these, according to William Warren Farrell, and a lot of the studying you can do on some of these killers, is an absentee of fathers. Uh, do you do you think that I don't know if you've read any of this sort of studies, or you? you find that these hold any weight to the bearing of, of what caused these killers to be triggered? Uh, yes, I think those are definitely a fact. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as I said, uh, I think it's more than a third of families uh, have uh, one parent, and it's usually the mother, like you said. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, absentee fathers, it's a, a big problem because – uh, boys who grow up without a father, they, they don't have a someone to model how a man mm -hmm. should behave. Um, and uh, <clears throat> even even bad fathers are better than no father most of the time. That's true. That's, that's true. Um, or at least that's true in my opinion. Uh, and, and from what I've seen and read, you know, uh, uh, the, the other thing is we've we've moved more towards without alpha fathers in the home we've moved towards an emotional is emotional society where if you know when you and I grew up we didn't have to put warning labels on stuff you just kind of had to know in a Darwinism form that if you jumped off a bridge it would kill you you didn't have to have a sign that said if you jump off this bridge it will kill you if you wrap your head in plastic, it will kill you. We didn't have to have any of that because we either just knew or it sounds harsh, but Darwinism would fix the problem with the people who are too dumb to figure it out. And probably, uh, you know, I hate to be mean, but that's kind of what Darwinism is for is to, is to flush out the weak and, 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 uh, embrace the strong. But, uh, we seem to have moved from a society that's like that over the last, since the sixties where emotionalism rose. 
And it became, we went from a logic and reason society to an emotionalist society. And these boys, instead of being programmed with fathers and alpha fathers in the home who taught them logic and reason and a stoic sort of control of their emotions, that uh, they became more feminized, these young boys, especially if they don't have a father in the home. Uh, And in doing so, they tend to act out in their rage. I mean, there's a reason these are young boys always doing this. There's a reason these boys are usually incels, so they don't have relationships that are healthy with women because they've they've never had a um, uh, a father to show them how to you know be sent your ways, maybe how to date and this stuff. Um, do you do you think there's any merit to the theory that I'm suggesting? Oh yes, I think there's a lot of merit to it. I I think that. I, I have to say something controversial. I think, and this was in my book, that the, mm-hmm. the feminist movement uh, has has been, uh, you know, destructive to the family mm-hmm. uh, and and to to boys. I mean, I think a lot of mothers, uh, you know, feminists talk about toxic masculinity and things like that, and I think that that's a model that many many women follow. And so there's a new double standard now with regard mm-hmm. to girls and boys. Uh, uh, boys are seen as toxic as soon mm-hmm. as they're born and treated that way. And told they're toxic by yeah. their teachers, which are largely females now. I mean, males have left the business of teaching. We've had psychologists like yourself, child psychologists, who come on and said, yeah, the schools aren't a healthy place for boys anymore. I don't think they're healthy for anybody, not for girls. <laughs> because they, 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 they raise you know, uh, narcissistic girls, you know, who don't don't know how to have a regular relationship with a man. And social media probably contributes to that as well. You know, the the stats are real. I mean, if you pull the stats, these are according to the U.S. Bureau of the Census and Department of Health. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. This is the U.S. government, Disease Control, uh, Center for Disease Control. 85% of you sitting in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. They're literally filling our prisons. You wonder why our prisons have exploded? This is it. You wonder why the shootings have exploded? This is likely it. 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent parents in chemical abuse center come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 71% of teenage pregnancies come from children of single parents. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. And 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Those are facts. Um, so... I, you know, and and so I think you're right that 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 just, you know these these dysfunctional families, fathers not in the homes, fathers being removed in the homes, is a real problem. You know, I've I was writing about this today that, you know, I hear this from people that go, I can be both parents, I can be the father and the mother. I don't, you know, we don't need one of us. I can do both. What do you think about that sort of mentality? Well, that's a rationalization. Yeah. So obviously, you're very informed on all of this. You just quoted all those statistics, which are true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and so so there, there's the problem with the family, dysfunctional families, but then the, the young man grows up in a culture that is dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a culture that's divided, mm-hmm. you know, but, and, but it's, it's, it's like violently divided. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, and and um, you know, <clears throat> I talk about how this got started in the book. I, I believe this got started with the uh, Vietnam War. Mm. Uh, you know, that's the first time that that liberals started to protest in violent ways. Mm. Uh, you know, the the Vietnam War protested students usually. Mm -hmm. uh, started um, taking over campus buildings, and the police would come, and they'd show, they'd throw bags of shit at the police, or bags mm -hmm. of urine, or rocks, or whatever, and people got killed. That was mm -hmm. the first time we had violent riots. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, before that, it was peaceful protests. Um, after that, the other movements, the the black rights movement, the, the, the feminist movement, gay movement, the transgender movement, they all followed suit. They all mm. had violent protests and they all, uh, they didn't want, they didn't try to use constructive language. You know, Martin Luther King used constructive language when mm -hmm. he was organizing his peaceful protests. Mm -hmm. But the, the constructive communication went out the window. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so eventually, as, as the, the, the liberals and militant liberals started to become more uh, violent, mm -hmm. uh, they, then, then there was a backlash from the conservatives. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, it takes two to fight. And so, yes, both sides have been fighting. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, uh, it, and this divide affects everyone in the country just as if you have a family where the mother and father are divided and fighting, it affects mm. all the children. Yes, most definitely. I mean, I can sit, I can sit across from people, and I, I can, I can see traumas. I can tell you if you're, if you, if you grew up with your mother or father, I know what abandonment of father or mother looks like, uh, and I can see a whole life and and go. Here's here's where that was affected. Here's where that affected, and I'm sure you can too. You know, I've studied this a lot because uh, I, I've, I've, uh, it's been interesting to me to try and understand why these shootings are happening, why they're increasing. I think you're, I think you're uh, right. We we move from a society that went from something that was logical and reasoning to more of an emotional society, as I said before. Let me offer you this uh, theory too. Um, in the 60s, we saw the rise and the starting of the collapse of the family union. And uh, we saw the right, and you can you can go right to the charts and the facts on this. So if you think it's my opinion, I mean, and you're out there hearing that and believing that, go go pull the charts. Everything go, starts to go off the rails in the 60s. Um, family unit breaks apart, the rise of single parent, uh, the divorce rates, it all, it all begins there. And in, in, uh, the people's people's interest in in their you know we're all animals our 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 internal paradigms are to breed are to procreate and make families uh especially as men i mean we have a paternal sort of protector sort of thing that we get off on protector provider um and when we get success we go and form families in fact we usually marry who's ever in front of us at the point that we're at um, the, uh, when people can't, uh, when, when, when people aren't meeting, when people aren't getting together, when people aren't seeing a future together, uh, and being able to, uh, 
exercise or chase down their their biological function to procreate, I think they get angry and violent whether they realize it or not. Do you think maybe that sort of sentiment that started settling in in the 60s is what kind of led to that violence? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a side, what do you call it? It's, it's not a direct thing, but it's a side thing. Like I think a lot of the incels now, that's the reason they're angry and you're seeing them shooting stuff up. Well, I, I think it's uh, love and power are on opposite sides. If you're able to, to love, if mm -hmm. you're able to be attached to other people and, and experience love, you don't need power. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that, the, the more you don't have love and, and uh, affiliation in your life, mm -hmm. then the more you're going to look for power. And the people who join these these groups, like the the black rights group and the feminist group and gay and gen transgender, they they're doing it for power. They're they're, they're people who have who are not able to function normally in their lives or have love and affiliation. Mm -hmm. so, you know, love nurtures, but if you don't have it, then then you seek power. Yeah, because you're trying to reestablish the balance of of a masculine and feminine, and and you're basically you're breeding paradigms. I mean, we basically have this need to breed and procreate and create families. It's it's our it's it's everything. It's why we do everything. You know, for a young man, the reason you get a job, the reason you buy a car, the reason you dress nice, the reason you shape your whole life is so you can provide for a family, so you can attract another woman. And I believe women, you know, they do the same. They spend all their time trying to figure out how to attract men. And it's because we have these internal drives that we are supposed to propagate the species. And, uh, you know, you can put all the fancy stuff on top of it, but that's our drive. But I think the more, I think, I'm not sure that I would blame it completely on the liberals or black people or LGBTQ. I think generally people, people if they cannot... Um, achieve their paradigms to breed and and uh, grow, then that's their issue. Because these are mostly white boys. That's the other interesting thing about it. Now, conversely, I have people argue with me about you know what we've been talking about in stats so far, and they go, "Yeah, Chris, but every every kid who has a single mother doesn't go out and shoot up a school." And so somewhere there's a separation between. You know, kids that grow up with this thing and then kids that really go off the deep end. Where, where do you think is the, the lane that they get off on that, that is the biggest problem in, in spite of all these factors? I mean, you know, just not everybody who has a dysfunctional family lives in a dysfunctional culture shoots up school. No, it, it's a matter of degrees. It's, okay. it's a matter of how, how dysfunctional it is. And these, these killers that I've written about in this book all had extremely dysfunctional families hmm. um, and uh, so it's it's a matter of that and then and then culture our culture right now hmm. uh, I, I believe there is there's more prejudice against white men than uh, they, they are the scapegoats of society right now hmm. uh, and uh, everybody every group gays uh, feminists uh, blacks uh, Transgenders, they, they're all, you know, making white white males the scapegoat. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so these men grow up in this atmosphere and they're not even allowed to defend themselves. If, if mm-hmm. a white male says, well, that, but, oh, you're just a white male saying that, you know, so they, they can't even, you know, say anything. And, and so they're, that blocks them up even more and, and stirs their, their anger even more. Well, as you said, and then they turn to power and the gun is power and in the way they see it and they they fantasize about it i wonder too like there's a there's a nature to all these young men that they don't have girlfriends to am i correct in that assumption oh, yes they they have no so they're incels usually they're isolated they they yeah. don't have any girlfriends they don't really relate to men except that they form they become allies with other mass killers mm-hmm. uh, yeah so weak men uh go to weak men and and see this is the other reason i think is because i my understanding is most of them don't have strong alpha fathers in the home and uh they have father abandonment issues or whatever the case is the father's been removed from the home and so they don't have the example of a healthy alpha male masculine male uh that teaches good masculinity and healthy masculinity to them and so they're they're just lost boys, if you will. I don't know if that's if you think that's uh, oh, yeah. yes, yes. Sir. We have a whole generation yeah. of lost boys now, for sure. We do. I mean, when you see, you know, how many the the boys falling off, not going to college, not pursuing families, not dating. Uh, there's so many social problems to all that. You see that, that a lot of them can't afford to date or get married or have kids or get a house. Uh, with you know the economy being the way it is. Um, but you know, this, it's really interesting to me. We have these young men that don't want to go to college now and, uh, and women hypergamously date up. They date a guy who's in college or who's been to college. They date a guy who's got a successful career trajectory to raise a family with. And one of the problems that the Morgan Stanley thing cites is that these, these women aren't going to have someone above them who earns more than them hypergamously they can chase and, and secure for mating. Um, they're going to be the top earners and men aren't attracted to someone who earns more than them. So there's a real dynamic problem we have coming down the line in our society. If young men aren't going to college, they're not going to college and, and women are not that interested in getting married or, Many of them aren't dating in the right now because yeah. they can't, they can't find uh, and, and you know they're told by by feminists to, to you know to make sure that everything's always equal. But what that means is that they control the relationship, yeah. and uh, they you know, you say that that boys are lost, but I think that girls are lost too mm. in the sense that they they've been led astray. Uh, they they're up there now. They're they're high functioning, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're good mothers, and I, and I don't think they 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 really realize uh, what's happened to them because many yeah. many of them suffer from depression. There's there there's research. Oh, massive, yeah. You know, I I've been single all my life, and at fifty five, I'm still dating. And one thing that's interesting to me, I've kind of watched the arc of dating culture and mating. Uh, and before sex in the city came out, there was a different sort of attitude of what women looked at me for. They looked at me as a provider and protector and okay, can this guy have kids and be a family? And then it seems like sex in the city, when it came out, it promised, Hey, 
go run all over town. And then when you're done uh, being on the town bicycle, uh, Mr. Big will show up, the rich guy who's super good looking, and he'll scoop you up and save you from, I guess, old age or something. Um, and uh, that's when I saw things really change in the mindset of women. And, and other people have alluded to this as well. Um, now we have this narcissistic social media stuff that I think is really impacting women because the addiction of the dopamine hit of attention and validation is huge. And you, you, you meet people that they can't get off the train. Like they can't have an intimate relationship one-on-one -on -one where one man's attention and validation is good enough in a marriage. They've got a, you know, they've got the whole world, including guys from Dubai, who can DM them and they can put up a, a sexy post and, you know, get hundreds or thousands of DMs and likes. Um, and, and I think it, I think it hurts women. I think it, I think it, because it's a dopamine hit for them. And so it becomes like an addiction drug. You see women walking around and they, they, they're, they're on their phones 24 seven, you know, they almost don't look up anymore. And, uh, you know, you see, I see healthy relationships being broken up over social media. You know, some guy can just come in and a DM of some woman who's married and start flirting with her. And, you know, she's bored in a five-year marriage or whatever. And there you go. And then she's divorced. And then these kids are left on the street. But what I see now that's interesting to me is when I was in my late 20s, almost 30s, I started dating women that were in their 20s they were getting coming out of divorces and they had a half cooked family you know and i'm like okay all right this seems uh, you know they they got married at like 20 or 18 in the in 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 my in their 80s um and you know here they are coming out of their thing they've got their first family and what's interesting is they were still young enough where they could easily get a second husband to help finish raising the kids and 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 do the progression because that you know men look for beauty and femininity when we mate so what's interesting to me is now in my 50s i see women in my 50s that are going through their very first divorce at, with a half-cooked family and they're looking for men like me to wife them up to take care of their family and finish the job but I'm in my, I'm 55. I'm not looking to start over with a new family. And most, most men my age aren't. We're not looking, we've already done that. The family shipped or, you know, we've probably shipped two families. We're looking to go retire and travel and stuff. And so I'm just in shock at how many of these families I see out my dating marketplace that are in their fifties and, and we're told things that, yeah, go ahead and wait, do your career. And you're you're just wondering what the end of that cycle is going to look like. Yeah, well, you know, as a as a therapist, you know, I I you know for the, for forty seven years I've been doing therapy, mm -hmm. uh, and um, oh, you know, it seems like as I've done it over the last few years, the 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 people I've I've worked with have become uh, more disturbed. Uh, the, the, the young people today have, have more disturbances than they used to have, say, when I first started in, in the 70s, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, because the families are just fall, falling apart. They, 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 people do not 
are not as conscientious about being parents today as they used to be. Uh, they're more conscientious about their careers. Um, and uh, because uh, you see, there's, there's, only an, there's only an intrinsic reward in being a parent. You go up, you have a career, you get these uh, external tangible rewards, more money, promotions, all this kind of stuff. But parenting doesn't get these kind of rewards. So it's, it's not as an, an attractive thing for, for women. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they, you, you see, we live in a divorce fat culture is what I call it where it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've dated divorced women all my life, single mothers all my life. Uh, after about 28, it was all pretty much divorced with uh, single mothers. And you see this on social media, on Instagram, on YouTube and other places. It's celebrated. Like it, it's, it's a fad where it's like, Hey, it's great. It's not that big of a deal. But they don't see the ugliness, the crying, and every now and then you'll see somebody get honest and go, this is really hard. I feel guilty. I made a mistake. Well, the reason you feel guilty is because you know you fucked it up. Um, and you're screwing up your kids. Uh, I hate to be honest about it, but it, that's just it. You know, my parents, my parents stayed together until we left the home. Were they the best parents uh, that got along well and should have been together and had a great happy marriage? No, they weren't. It wasn't, it wasn't all that great, um, but they did it for us. So we grew up with the masculine and the feminine in the home. And because we could see the, the dance that went on and the, and the and engagements, even the strife, we learned what it's like to have a masculine and feminine in the same home raising us so we could be shaped by it. Even though it wasn't perfect, we could see the fallacies of it and we learned from the fallacies of it. And that actually is important as well. So even if you're in, you know, and so now you see these people that they're just like, well, I'm not happy or worse. I'm just bored. Yeah, I'm just bored. I, I miss going to clubs and doing whatever and, you know, getting chased all over and attention and validation for everybody. I'm just bored. So I'm going to get divorced. 90% out of all the divorces right now, uh, educated women are filing 90% of the divorces. If they're not educated, it's 80% of the divorces are filed by women. So you have to ask yourself, what the hell is going on? You know? Yeah, well, um, you know, again, uh, feminists have... have uh, you know, guided women towards, uh, you know, well, if it isn't working, get rid of him, you know, move, move on. It, it, the men are always blamed for whatever problems there are in, mm -hmm. in the family. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in, in the, in my book, I have, I wrote the, the last chapter is about how can we turn this around? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I've, I've, uh, advised something. I don't think they're ever going to be done, but for, for example, uh, I think that parents who want to have children should need to get a license to have children. You have to have a license to, to drive a car. You have you to know, have a license to be a barber. You, but, you've been saying something I've been saying for uh, since I was 20, and this oh, is the reason I didn't have kids. Okay, okay. You should get a license, and you should have to go to college for two years to get educated, and you need to get all your psychoanalyst shit fixed before you can have but kids. You need, you need parent training, and it could happen in college. I mean, you don't have any courses in college on how to live. Yeah. Uh, and those are what are needed. I yeah. think everybody should have a few years of therapy. Um, I agree. 
but uh, you know, if 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 see, because if parents were licensed, then you know these obvious people like schizophrenics or borderline personalities mm-hmm. would not be able to to have children. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's it's needed. But whenever you suggest that, there are always these people. Oh no, you can't interfere with with parents. You know, you can't ask them to be licensed. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I've been saying that for a long time. Uh, you know, it's just like, it's just, it's almost like a comedic joke where it's just like, Hey, I don't know anything about parenting. You don't either. And we got all these traumas from childhood. Let's just drag them into a marriage and, uh, fuck up these kids. <laughs> and what happens is, is, um, the, you know, if you're abused as a child and you don't have any therapy, you're going to abuse your children. It, it goes, yep. it goes again for generation generational abuse generational trauma as well yeah i mean it's it's good that we have books like yours um and like i say when i discuss those with people they always say to me the same thing well according to your what you're saying is you know every child who grows up without a father or an alpha father uh should become a serial killer and clearly they don't so there's something wrong with your thing it's the same analogy that you argue about uh, guns uh being the killers of everybody um so, I mean, is there any way that we can identify, is it just, it's just the right, is it the right mindset of a person or it's just the highly dysfunctional thing? Uh, is it, is, is it, you know, some of the people, some of these, some of these killers do seem to have some real mental health things where they just, I don't know, they were just born off the train or something. Maybe. No, I, I don't believe they're born with it. I, I, okay. I believe it's, it's environmental cause and, uh, hmm. You know, I, I think that they, you know, they definitely, there's a lot of mental illness. And they, you know, nearly all of these, these mass killers, uh, they write things, they post things that say they're going to kill people. They, 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 they always reveal what they're going to do. But yeah, people, they warm it up and everyone just ignores them. People don't take them seriously. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. This last guy in Texas I wrote about, you know, the, in Uvalde, Texas, there was this mass killing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and people were calling him. Uh, they had a nickname for him, uh, like the school killer or something. I mean, yeah. they, everybody knew all his friends saw him that way. And he, and he was constantly talking about it. But n- nobody did what they needed to do, which was to stop him. That's the funny thing about it's not really funny, but that's the interesting thing that's ironic uh, that that about these killers is you'll you'll interview them and people will be like, yeah, we always kind of knew he was going to go off the rails. It was just a matter of time. Let me ask you this: uh, in the eighties, up until the eighties, we had um, we had uh, a lot of mental health institutions around the country. I, when I grew up as a kid, if you were a teenager who had some problems there was a mental health that was run by the county that they would send you to and put you in a river room and give you some pills and all that sort of stuff. A lot of that system was disabled and disassembled by the Reagan administration in the eighties. And since then you've, you've kind of seen almost the same trajectory of rise going through of mental health problems in this country. Do you think that's a contributor where we don't have enough mental health support in this country for these boys when they start showing signs of, being problematic that we can't we can't really get them help or there seems to be less ability to get them help yeah well uh, many of these mental health clinics 
you, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I kind of am very critical, and I've stated this in the book, of psychiatry. Mm. Psychiatry thinks that that mental disorders are biological, mm -hmm. uh, and and so they they cite these these theories like like the the chemical imbalance theory. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody in psychiatry was saying that depression comes from a from a, uh, a chemical imbalance, and they were they, what they meant was serotonin that that they thought that that disturbed people didn't have as much serotonin. Mm. Uh, well. That's been debunked now. It was never true. One psychiatrist wrote a theory about it, and everybody, monkey, monkey see, monkey do, you know. Uh -huh. uh, it was never true, and they, they've now completely debunked it. And now they'll probably make up another theory as to why everything is biological. But, you know, uh, because they, they want to think that way. They yeah. don't look at the complexity of, of human uh, darkness. Yeah. And, and of course, now we have the board of psychiatrists claiming that masculinity is toxic in and of itself and needs to be removed from society. It's kind of interesting. The more women have gone to college and filled the psychiatry boards, how that suddenly become a thing. Uh, and, and this is, you know, if anything, we need to return to masculinity and logic and reason, because like, I think our society has just become too emotional and, where women can handle being emotional and they can handle freaking out. Women aren't aggressive like men. Men are aggressive and we are killers by our nature. That's our nature as hunter gatherers. We are killers. We were given upper body strength. We were given this pension to kill, to succeed. Uh, women were not. They're very passive in, in what they do and they're designed to be different than us. But if you give, if, in my opinion, if you give the right mixture of emotionalism without logic and reason, masculinity and healthy masculinity to a young man, he is going to react violently. And maybe, maybe he just becomes a problem person or maybe he ends up in prison or maybe he kills, but that's what we do. It's the wrong, it's the wrong uh, cocktail to give us as men. I don't know. That's my theory. Well, yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I, but I think that, you know, you know, the, 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 the notion that men are say evil and, and women are good, you know, uh, that kind of prevails through fairy tales. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, and in our culture, it's everywhere. I but, mean, uh, men are to blame for everything. Fathers are discounted in media and everything else. But you see, Women are are uh, are violent psychologically. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, the feminist movement, which which continually uh, complains about uh, male bias towards women, but the feminist movement itself is one of the most biased against men movements that you'll ever find. No, oh, it's incredibly uh, misandrous. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, our whole our whole society is full of those kind of. Uh, lies yeah i mean it's it's widely accepted on social media that you can bash men all you want there's like billions yeah. of views of how to manipulate men how to abuse men uh men i i've seen things about how men should be put into extinction uh you know kill all men there's actually a hashtag for it uh but if men 
even talk about women's nature or try to educate each other on women's nature, their accounts are removed and blocked. And, and the, ha the hashtags that can oppose those, the ones that are left up by women in the billions uh, are, are there. And I think these young boys, they grow up and they see this and they go, what the fuck? I'm the problem? Well, I'll, great. I'll give you what you want. I'll become the problem. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Well, this has been really insightful. Give us your final thoughts on the book to pitch out to the audience as we go out in your .com, Gerald. Okay, well, I'll show you my book. This is the book. Uh, let's see if I can get it on. Mm -hmm. yeah, the Mass Killer. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, um, it's available on Amazon and on uh, the What's that other place? Uh, uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, it's it's available on all those places, mm -hmm. um, and it's you know I think it's a, a I hope it's a much needed book that that uh, sheds uh, uh, some needed light on this growing problem, uh, and I you know I you I hope that. Uh, I hope they'll sell some copies from this show. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, and, and I think everyone needs to read up about this and understand it. There's a reason it's young boys. There's, I mean, women don't, women are violent. Men are violent uh, because that's in our nature. We're designed to be protectors. So we're designed to be violent if we need to protect our homestead, our wives, our children, our paternal interests. Uh, if we need to provide for our family. We're, we're designed that way. And so there's a reason this is white young men doing this. Um, and uh, the more you look at it, the more, and, and the facts. I mean, if you don't believe me, go look at the facts. The data is all there. So there you go. Thank you very much, Cheryl, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, order the book, folks, wherever fine books are sold. The Mass Killer, Six Case Histories to Tell Us Why. Came out July 28th, 2023. Thank you, Cheryl, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank you for having me. I, I just want to say that the book, people are reading it, and it's a page-turner. It uh, mm -hmm. I, I wrote the case history so that they're very, very absorbing. There you go. I think it's a book that people will enjoy as well as will enlighten them. But there anyway, you go. thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. Thanks, my audience, for tuning in as well. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and Chris Foss One on TikTok. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time.